Neil, what's your worst vacation memory? I got stuck in an elevator for three hours with uh, two other couples, so six of us in one elevator. That sounds like a nightmare. I would prefer to be stuck with cats and dogs. <laughs> yes, I would prefer <laughs> to not have been stuck in there at all, but uh, what's yours? Well, my worst memory is losing consciousness from food poisoning in Greece, but the funniest memory is from a vacation on the Black Sea in Romania, where I'm from. And the sea was very agitated and I still wanted to swim and I got kind of like hit in the head by a wave and I was tumbled around a bit. And, you know, nothing major, just a bit. And I was kind of like disoriented and stuff a little bit when I was getting out of the water. And as I was getting out, I saw like people smiling at me and there were two guys especially whose faces I remember to this day and I was thinking in my head, you idiots, it's not funny, it can happen to anyone. But it turns out that they were smiling because my top was gone, the waves took it, so I was topless. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a good way to get popular at the beach. Yeah, well, not as popular as the people we're going to talk about today. I know. Like, if you are a uh, fitness model with a black magic fashion model boyfriend with all of the free cocaine that you can possibly stuff in your pockets, you will also be popular in the Mexico City nightclubs. Yes. But fair warning, do not chop them up, the friends you make. Do not cut them into little pieces but that's our people for today a very gnarly story indeed and there's another question from your incident with the wave (laughs) the most (laughs) burning question that we really i can't i have to it's it's stuck in my brain so i have to say it because it's the most offensive thing i thought of today it brings another question that this podcast may or may not answer what is it you're scaring me brown or pink those guys could tell me, I'm sure. You will be. I'm kicking you <laughs> out of that. <laughs> you're being. That's it. You're being kicked out of the <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey, Sandra. Hi, Neil. Hi, guys. We have a legit true crime vacation episode for you this time. So exciting. I mean, it's gruesome and scary, but it's a good story and it has the benefit of making us all be more careful while on vacation. Yeah, this was bad. I mean, I'm sure we all have unpleasant experiences on vacations, but this is the worst one I know of that we're going to talk about. In 1989, four college students went to South Padre Island in Texas for spring break. And one of them got murdered in a, I kid you not, ritual sacrifice by a drug boss slash black magic priest just south of the border in northern Mexico. Yeah, slash wannabe model, I guess, also. It's insane. (laughs) By the way, I've been to South Padre, and the only good memory from that trip was a cute fridge magnet. Other than that, I mean, I didn't like it. It was a day from hell we were supposed to be there for a few days but we left in the evening of the day that we arrived it was beyond hot outside and the water was hot and it was i don't know the water was not turquoise and beautiful it was brownish and it was just it wasn't lukewarm or warm it was hot i mean it was so hot that there were like little dead sea life at the shore and odie my dog hated it too he was miserable the entire time and he was panting and trying to get to the car so no it was horrific i didn't like it most of texas is the boiling surface of hell yes why do they go on spring break there then maybe it was different when this murder happened maybe it was better 
you know, in 1989. South Padre is the spring break place in Texas. You know, it markets to all of those college students to come there for that, you know, week or two every year. That's their big moneymaker. How it became that way, I don't know, but it's been that way forever. Like, even when I was in high school decades ago, you know, people would talk about they're going to go Padre this year. So it's just one of those places that that's where you go for spring break. Yeah, maybe if you're, you know, at that age, maybe you see things differently or maybe you don't care that much. But for me, for example, like South Padre that day was one of the worst vacation memories I have. And it wasn't nearly as bad a vacation as the one the four college students had. I mean, the ones in our episode. And by the way, these satanic ritual stories were all over the place in the 1980s and 1990s. How many examples are really out there of the stories that are actually real? As far as I know, just this one. Exactly. So the satanic panic thing was obviously BS, but this case is on a different level of crazy. A certain amount of notorious reputation tends to create self-fulfilling prophecies, I suppose. Our characters in this story are Mark Kilroy, a student at University of Texas, who was abducted and murdered by Adolfo Constanza, while Kilroy was in Matamoros, just across the border, from Padre Island on a spring break trip with the three friends of his. Constanza also had a student, an accomplice, who he called his priestess. Her name was Sarah Aldrete Villarreal. The two of them did all of this in service of the Hernandez Rivera family, a lower-tier drug cartel in Matamoros, who smuggled pot over the border at the time. Their Hernandez brothers were convinced the magic was real, and they weren't the only ones. And they may not be wrong. Of course they're wrong. Come on. Like, there is no magic does not exist. There is no magic. No, the magic does not exist. Oh, the mind control does, yes. If enough people believe it, then it doesn't matter whether it's real or not. And before the satanic panic was over, there were police on both sides of the border wearing talismans and prayer beads. I mean, if enough people pay attention, then yeah, real becomes a bit murky. Yes, I agree. I get the point. And look, on the 10th of March, 1989, Bradley Moore, Bill Huddleston, Brent Martin, and the murder victim, Mark Kilroy, left the University of Texas in Austin to drive to South Padre for spring break. They were described by Texas police as, quote, the kind of boys you want your daughter to bring home. They were all accomplished students and former high school athletes, and Mark had graduated in the top 10% of his high school class, and he would have attended medical school after his university graduation. For those unfamiliar, South Padre Island is on the Texas side of the border, but it's only about 30 miles from the border town of Brownsville, so it's common for people to simply drive to Brownsville, park their car, and walk across the border to go to the restaurants and nightclubs on the Mexico side in Matamoros. That's exactly what these four students did. And after meeting a group of girls from the University of Kansas who wanted to go to Mexico side of the border and spend the night in the Mexican nightclubs, they all drove to Brownsville and walked across the bridge to Matamoros on the second day of their spring break vacation. Well, not all things go as planned. And they got separated from the Kansas girls that night. But they decided to go back to Matamoros again the next night. And after Bill and Mark left one nightclub to go to another... Bill ducked into an alley to pee behind a dumpster, as you do, and he walked out a couple of minutes later to find that Mark was gone. 
Yes, and here I have to say something like, look, people, like, especially young people, when you go to clubs and you go with a bunch of friends, make sure you stay together. Like, if I understand using the restroom, but talk and say, hey, I'm going to go use the restroom. I'm going to be back. Let's meet here in five minutes. Like, don't get separated. Have a plan. I don't know. This is how the worst things happen, you know, when people get separated. Well, let's be honest, though. I mean, yes, I understand that women are better at being careful in these situations than men are because men get drunk and drunk makes strong and drunk makes brave (laughs) and nothing's going to happen to me. And honestly, 99 times out of 100, it's not. I mean, who's going to attack a couple of athletic college aged men? That is also true. Yeah. I mean, they had no reason to suspect this. These guys were high school athletes. Yeah, and I have a problem with something you said that men are sometimes, women are sometimes better. Like, I think we are just better in general. I know it's sexist, but I feel like we are more careful, you know, and I feel like even though you're just a bunch of athletic guys, you should still, you're in a foreign country, first of all. I understand it's, you know, just across the border and it's close, but just be careful. I don't know. Have a plan. Don't separate. That's when things happen in my experience. It's best yes, to just sit together, is, have a plan. Let's I don't be know. honest. You know, drunken, fr- drunken college guys are not. Yeah, he just went outside to, for so. a wee. <clears throat> okay. Okay, that. Okay, let's stop it. I don't know. Three, two, one, stop. At the same time, the four friends from Texas were in the Matamoros and South Padre nightclubs, Adolfo Constanzo was performing another human sacrifice, but it did not go well. According to Adolfo, the magic came from the victim's fear. Adolfo's victims were tied and blindfolded, but their mouths were not covered or gagged. It was the screams from pain and terror that Adolfo required from his victims. Just like you require of me when we fight over these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, you're comparing me. The most understanding, most considerate and sweetest natured co-host to a crazed murderer. I mean... Look, the, this is strike one. If you reach strike three, you'll see what pain and terror mean, and you don't want to go We've there. already done that, like, three times. Strike two. This is strike <laughs> two. Can we focus on the students? So, they were taken to a ranch out in the rural outskirts of town, which belonged to the Hernandez-Rivera family, where they could be killed without having to worry about who would hear the screams. I, I'm getting goosebumps. This is really crazy. I mean, Adolfo's victim before he kidnapped Mark had been a member of a rival drug gang, not an innocent American college student. And he was a hard man with a tolerance for pain and no fear of death, just like Adolfo. And he was raped, beaten, cut and disemboweled, but he would not scream or beg for mercy. So Adolfo sent his disappointed followers to find another sacrifice and told them to return to him with an American. Quote, a student, someone blonde and soft, someone I can use, someone who will scream. And the Hernandez-Rivera clan bought into all this. They were true believers. The drug operation was run by the eldest brother, Elio, and his younger brother, Ovidio. Besides the brothers was a nephew named Little Seraphin, and he ultimately caused their capture. The Hernandez family befriended Adolfo for reasons besides the magic, even though they did believe in the magic. He had contacts in Mexico City and other cartels, and he had contacts in the federal police as well. So whether it was the magic 
or simple bribes that increased their profits did not matter much at the end of the day because profits did, in fact, increase. So Adolfo planned their smuggling operations himself, and he took care of the bribes and the contacts for them, all while telling them that his magic made them invincible to bullets and invisible to the police. And with this confidence, they increased the size and scale of their drug operation. They just flaunted everything they did in front of the police because why not? Be brazen. Disregard the cops on both sides of the border. They can't see me. And even if they do, I don't care because their bullets can't hurt me. This is just insane. I mean, I don't even know what to say. This is one of the craziest murder stories I've ever heard. And like, I think it's it has all the elements of a really good, successful Hollywood movie, I feel. And look, little Serafim Hernandez Garcia, the Hernandez Rivera brother's nephew, drove through a police roadblock near their ranch without slowing down, without shooting, without fighting, just casually drove through without stopping, ignoring the police signals because he really thought he was invisible to them. And they called it in to their boss who told them to follow him. And this is when Adolfo's cult started to unravel. So they followed little Seraphim to the Hernandez ranch. And after he left the ranch later that day in his brand new truck, the police who followed him simply followed the path up to the house and talked to the first person they met. The caretaker, the family paid to tend to the farm animals, talked to them but did not say much of interest. But they noticed while talking to him, there was a Santeria statue in the back of a brand new Chevy Suburban parked near the house. And they told their boss, Comandante Juan Benitez Ayala, about it. And Benitez was familiar with the symbols and the signs of the magic, too. He had a reason to be suspicious of the Hernandez brothers. He had personally participated in the investigation just a year before that had ultimately destroyed their multi-hundred-acre pot-growing operation. And during that year, the eldest Hernandez brother had been killed in a shooting, and his contacts with the Mexico City cartels were lost with him. The next in line behind the eldest brother was Little Seraphin's father, but he got arrested at an airport near Houston waiting for a drug shipment that was being flown into the U.S. So there was no reason for the Hernandez brothers who were left in Matamoros to have new cars, a new truck, a new Chevy Suburban. It did not add up. So Benitez told his deputies to keep an eye on these guys. Yeah, and Adolfo had a plan. From a young age, he was trained in the folk magic of his family, and he was the son of a teenage mother who fled the Cuban Revolution to Miami. He was the oldest of four siblings by three different fathers. His mother was a Santeria priestess who made a living performing rituals and spells for people around their neighborhood in Miami, and she was the one who introduced him to a Haitian priest of Palo Mayombe, a darker offshoot of Santeria practiced in the Congo and later brought to the Caribbean. The Haitian priest told his mother that Adolfo was destined to be a powerful magician and offered to teach him. And he made his living casting spells and making talismans for Miami's drug trade. So from a young age, Adolfo was given all the tools and all the right contacts to grow up to be the man who would eventually murder Mark Kilroy. To be honest, Adolfo was a pretty good looking guy. And so is Sarah, his priestess. There are some photos, we're going to probably drop them on our social media at Dubious Pod. 
these were good looking yes. people. It's just, ins- I mean, it's kind of insane to think that a young person with good looks and, you know, they could have done everything they so, wanted I mean, with yes. their lives and they chose this craziness. This is 1989, so he's got a bit of a mullet. You're going to have to excuse that haircut. <laughs> yes, but overlooking, you know, the weird clothing and the weird hairstyles. These were young, beautiful people. And she was legitimately a fitness model. She was going to school in the U.S. to be a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah. She was a physical education student. Yes, in the U.S. Yes. These are the hot people who walk into any nightclub they want to walk into. Yes, and walk away with whatever date they pick you know like they were beautiful people and Adolfo was by the way also a fashion model at times but he didn't have the years of training in being famous that he had in making magic and making friends with drug cartel bosses and the police on some level I feel like it's also a sad story I don't feel bad for the murders let me put it that way but what I'm trying to say is that Adolfo was raised like that I mean his mother put all that stuff in his head from a very young age so it's very hard to question as to why he turned up the way he did. I mean, if you're raised among drug it's dealers, all he ever knew. it's yes. all he ever knew. But it's it's such a pity. On the other hand, though, the cruelty, I, I just, I don't know. It's crazy. It's pretty grim. Um, yeah, And, you know, we heard throughout the 80s and the late 70s when I was growing up that these secret satanic cults were hiding under every unturned stone. But Geraldo Rivera was more responsible for making a nationwide phenomenon in the 80s than anybody else. Prior to taking up the myth of satanic cults, he had outrageous TV specials to promote himself from kind of local news in New York up into a national TV audience. So wait, Geraldo Rivera was some kind of TV reporter? You know I'm from Romania originally. Yes, so I, he was I, not I, always... He was a Fox News guy later. He was a legit journalist. I mean, yes, seriously. There was a documentary about child abuse in the Willowbrook State School for Special Needs Children, for example, which was... I mean, it was legitimate in theory, if not exactly in technical production. So... These schools for special needs kids were actually understaffed and poorly trained in New York. And Geraldo went inside one to film it. Now, he overdramatized. He filmed inside the school with a super bright light on his camera, which caused the school to appear darker inside than it really was due to the contrast between the bright light and the ambient light inside the building. And he pretended like he broke into the place, but he didn't really break in. That was dramatized as well. But beyond that, I mean, he was doing a good thing by calling public attention to the conditions inside those state schools. He was also the first to broadcast a Zap Ruder film depicting the moment John F. Kennedy was shot on his first national TV show that he got on ABC. And, I mean, this was more altruistic than the first example. It was not over-dramatized at all. There was public outrage when everybody saw the film for the first time. And that's what caused the Senate hearings in the late 1970s into, like, the CIA's assassination program. And that's how we eventually found out about MK Ultra, which we did an episode about last week. So, you know... This broadcast of that video led to those hearings, in addition to Richard Nixon, but the two together caused people to pay attention to this stuff. 
And in Geraldo's case, the catch with building an audience around shock footage like this is you always need more blood for the camera, even on slow news days. So Geraldo was eager to take up the cause of the satanic panic in the 1980s because he needed the content in an absolutely surreal primetime special when everybody only had four or five TV channels to choose from. Um, so we could say yes. he's guilty absolutely. for promoting this type of reporting on things where everything has yes. to be gnarly and bloody and, you know, this culture of like violence and stuff on TV, you know, all the time. Yes. I mean, the other thing he did there was so he was a guy who put like civil rights leaders and KKK guys on the same stage together and then have a giant fight break out. And I mean, he got hit in the face by a thrown chair. You know, it was Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer was a thing. And Well, yeah, I mean, this guy sounds a little worse. I don't know. This guy sounds like really bad. And let's be honest, he was wildly popular. I remember everybody talking about the Satanic Cult show in particular at the time. On that show, he had, he had like metal musicians like Ozzy Osbourne and crazy evangelical pastors all on the same show at the same time to argue with each other about the dangers or even the existence of Satanism. And whether or not people bought the story probably depended on their politics, like everything else in the world. But it was hard to stop the myth from gaining traction when Adolfo made it true. Yeah, the whole thing with the satanic panic to me strikes me as oddly similar to the whole the election was stolen now. Like if you say it and you repeat it all the time, a bunch of people are going to believe it and that bunch of people is going to grow into a bigger amount of people and so on. Like it's just going to go from a tiny, tiny snowflake into a big snow. How do you say in English, Neil? A snowball, yes. Yeah, it, yes, it's going to snowball into a massive thing. I think that's what this guy did. Anyway, he made this idea of satanic panic true. And I can only imagine the media circus that descended on Brownsville and Matamoros after this yes, story hit I mean, the, the papers. The police said there was about 250 reporters at the ranch every day to photo and video the investigation and the unearthing of bodies as this was taking place live every day. There were more than just reporters. Where there are reporters, there will be politicians, too, and not just from Mexico. I mean, I moved to Texas for the first time in 1989, and the Texas Attorney General was there on the news. I remember seeing it on the evening news then. And there was no reason for the Mexican police to restrict anybody's access to this stuff because the suspects all confessed to their involvement in the killings. They would be protected from conviction in prison by Adolfo's black magic. I mean, that's just crazy. I, I wish, I don't know, I sometimes wish I had the power to make people believe everything I say and <laughs> exactly. not question a word I'm saying. It's just... But that's the thing, I don't know, I think it was, ironically, it was the police from the Mexican side of the border who called in Santeria priests to cleanse the Hernandez Ranch of Adolfo's black magic. So this is just what's mind-blowing, that 
people still like i mean the belief was there even after all this stuff and it was not only a threat they could hold over the suspects about to go to trial but it calmed down the fears of the local yes, population I mean, nearby people as well believe then it doesn't matter whether it's real or not that's it uh it was the same thing in miami yes yes, yes. It's real to them. Look, it's real to them. And what's real to... I mean, it's a very, you know, hard concept to argue because if it's real to me, how can you say it's not real? Because I believe yes, it's real. So in my so, mind, it actually would is real. agree with so, you yeah. that it's real and... Yes, and there's a group of people all around me. All my people in the village believe the same thing. So I see you as outsiders. Is you're the ones being crazy. It was the same thing in Miami with narcotics officers in the Miami PD. There was a story about a narcotics cop in Miami who said that when they got into gunfights with the drug cartel guys, the cartel guys who paid people like Adolfo's Haitian Black Magic mentor, the cartel guys did not fear the cops unless the cops also had signs of the magic on them, like the beads and the talismans and tattoos and that sort of thing. If the cops had nothing to indicate they believed in the magic, then in the cartel guy's mind, he's thinking, well, I'll just shoot it out with them because they can't hurt me. And so it made sense for the cops to get some talismans and get some beads because then the gunman from the cartel might think twice. He might think, wait, Would maybe this guy has the before, magic too. Yes. So whether or not Adolfo could capture souls and summon evil spirits, if people believe it, they can make it true. Yeah, you know what is really true and exists, though? What? You counting my so-called strikes? <laughs> yes, that went. By the way, this is strike three. <laughs> you need to put your sarcasm away, mister. But look, I was thinking of our premium episodes. They are real. They exist. And... The fact that we should remind our people here, however many of them are not on vacation, to check out our collection of premium content and to become a patron by clicking on the link in the episode notes or by going to dubiouspod.com, there's a become a patron button there. And the best part is that the sign up process is really easy. Takes you just a few seconds, not the usual hassle because we don't use Patreon. And you will get all of our premium episodes plus the public episodes ad free. We know that you guys are doing your summer things on your vacations. I mean, we see you guys are busy with your cookouts. Don't think we don't know. <laughs> well, we're not like black magic priests or like Santeria guys or anything like that. You know, Apple and Spotify just like give us a chart that tells us. Yes. <laughs> so it's we look not at magic. the numbers. We look at the numbers. We don't have black magic, but we do know that you guys are having a, a fun time and enjoying your vacation. And don't worry. I mean, we'll be here doing our magic anyway and hopefully you get back soon from the vacation yeah, as long as you don't get murdered by the uh the narco satanicos in some weird border town <laughs> from the 1980s you can catch up on the episodes you missed later neil stop if anyone is on vacation listening to this they're gonna run away you're giving them bad vacation vibes uh let's get back to the also bad murder vibes of our subject today so with all the goings-on at the Hernandez Cartel's ranch revealed and the investigation and media circus around the case in full swing, Adolfo, Sara, and their remaining followers fled to Mexico City. And they did not last long there. The police caught wind of people trying to buy large amounts of groceries and clothes with American dollars in a particular neighborhood 
that should not have that many dollars in it, which led them straight to Adolfo's hideout. When the police arrived, Adolfo had one of his followers kill himself and his gay lover. Sarah, on the other hand, was captured, tried, and convicted, and is still in jail today, along with Elio and various other low-level followers of Adolfo. The youngest Hernandez brother, Ovidio, though, was never caught, so he might still be out there somewhere. So I'm actually curious, how was Mark Kilroy killed? Because I know there are gruesome details of other victims and how they have been hacked. But what happened to Mark Kilroy exactly? Not as dramatic and graphic as some of the others. The description I read was that he walked out of the shack that they had their altar set up in. He was blindfolded, so he couldn't get away. It was just a single machete chop to the back of the neck. So it was pretty quick. The others, as you said, were a lot more gruesome. Another thing that I think it's important to mention, the way Adolfo and Sarah lured uh, Mark Kilroy to their house, to that shack in the middle of nowhere, was by telling them they have drugs, so they should come to their house, right, to get the drugs. Yes, and why not? I mean, that's it. It's, you know, they look like cool people from the club. Yes, but that's the thing, people. If you're on vacation, don't go to anybody else's house. Don't go to people's houses that you don't know. Just don't. I mean, if somebody is selling drugs, they should have them somewhere in close proximity to the club. Let me put yes. it that way. You don't have to go to anybody's <laughs> house. And if you're going to... And look, I think a lot of these... Like things that we grew up with, basic street smart things get lost over time because everything's online and people don't do that anymore. Here's another little nugget of wisdom. If you're going to pay for the drugs, then you do not appease the drug seller. No, you are the customer, so you can go get them and bring them back. So, you know, you're the customer and the customer's always (laughs) right. Now that we have gone over the part where we teach our listeners how to buy drugs <laughs> properly, let's, uh, we're joking, guys. We're joking. So we're not. We're just saying, be safe. Don't go to strangers. I mean, look at the demographics <laughs> of our listeners. Spotify and Apple tell us too. It's like they were kids of the '60s and '70s and '80s too. So I'm they sorry. Know. Speak for yourself. I was like, no, I was not around in the '60s, '60s and the '70s, and not even the '80s. I'm a millennial, okay? So maybe, but I still know how to buy drugs safely. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> but look, out of all Adolfo's followers, the police said that Sarah was the most loyal. And as such, she's still in prison today. She personally selected at least one of their sacrifice victims, a man who had insulted her in a way we can probably guess. She cut off his nipples with scissors and boiled him alive. Yes. The older Hernandez brother, Elio, killed at least three sacrifice victims himself as well. And one he reportedly cut the beating heart from before the man was dead as the Maya priests did to their human sacrifice victims. This is the most gruesome string of murders in my memory. And I mean, the U.S. is a violent place, so it's not like we're short murders. And you have an elephant's memory, you remember everything, so this says a lot. And also... A clean elephant, not an acid overdosing elephant, so yes. (laughs) Like in the MK Ultra. I mean, whether or not federal police believe in the black magic or not, When all the witnesses and the victim's relatives were gone, they went back to the Hernandez Ranch with a different 
indigenous folk healer, then the Santeria priest, to burn the building and bless the ground beneath where Adolfo killed all of these people. Yes, and we'll get back to that in a second, but I think you missed a very important part in our um, last discussion about the nipple. Do you see what happens when... You know, you talk about people's nipples. Things can go. Exactly. Things can go south really fast. So, <laughs> so don't don't address nipples. Best to keep it safe, especially if you're on vacation in Mexico. <laughs> but there's a movie about this story too, isn't it? Yes, there is, and it's sort of creepy too because one of the hobbits from the Lord of the Rings, Sean Austin, the guy who played <laughs> Sam in the Lord of the Rings, plays one of Adolfo's followers. And it's a bit crazy to see the little <laughs> hobbit chopping up sacrifice victims. But, I mean, jokes aside, it's a disturbing and graphic movie, just like the real-life events were. But it's called Borderland, if that's your style of horror film. And the book I read about all of this, to catch up on the details that I did not remember from the 1980s, is called Buried Secrets by Edward Humes. There's also a good long cover story from the Texas Monthly by Gary Cartwright, which was in that magazine's current issue back in 1989 when all of this was discovered. We'll put that in the notes, too. You can still read it on the Texas Monthly's website. Look, this, I think, is our most gruesome episode so far in the sense of like the story is really, really gruesome and the details are horrifying. So, guys, just take precautions always when vacation. Do a bit of research in advance of the areas you go to. Don't go to people's houses. You know, look on the U.S. government website and read the advisory section for various countries. In some countries, you can be thrown in prison for things that make no sense to Westerners, right? Like drinking alcohol. And for the people staying at Airbnbs, really, there was a case of uh, an Italian policeman who owned an Airbnb and he was verified on many of the platforms and he was, you know, his image was very trustworthy. That's the image he projected. And he drugged his visitors and raped them. So he had cameras, I think, everywhere, including in the bathroom. So be aware of your surroundings. Check the rooms for hidden cameras. Don't eat and drink from strangers. Just, you know, common sense stuff, basically. You know, the victims in the case in Italy did nothing wrong. They were really careful. That's what's scary, because sometimes you can take all precautions and still end up in a bad situation. But honestly, most of the times, if you do things that are very easy to do that keep you safe, you would avoid a lot of, you know, heartbreak, drama and suffering, I guess. <laughs> this is one of those outlier stories, you know. Usually when you hear these things, you think, okay, that's got to be a girl and they put something in her drink and... You know, she wasn't strong enough yeah, to fight this that. this case was completely but different. That's why this one was such a big story and such a big yeah, case. These guys young. are athletes. Yeah. These four young, strong guys. In any case, do not get killed by a black magic drug cartel in a border town, everybody. And when you get home, look us up on social media, too. We are at Dubious Pod everywhere you may look for us. Yes, and if you really, really love us and you want to hear more of us, we've got the premium episodes, so there's that, too. So thank you guys for listening and see you guys next time.